0: Good to see you all here. Uh, Or maybe we're meeting some of you online. Dylan, are you recording this? All right, we're good to go. I saw his poofy hair bob a little bit. I'll take that as a yes. It's about as much as you can get from teens sometimes. I'm glad you are here, but why are you here? Why are you here? You could be sleeping in. Sleep. Do you have too much sleep in your life? You could be out skiing or hiking. You could be enjoying a really delicious breakfast right now. You could be at any number of churches that would love to have you right now. Good churches. Maybe you're looking for something. Maybe you believe something about God. There's still some of us who are here because we're stubborn, and we refuse to give up on the dream that God is able to build something really special among us. Keeps me coming up here. Keeps me pouring my heart into uh, trying to bring you a word to challenge you and encourage you and open the Word of God to you and your life. So we've been smelling the roses, taking our time through 1 Corinthians. And last week we looked at Paul's encouragement for uh, those who are married uh, to a non-believer. Uh, also situations where maybe your faith is in a very different place than your spouse. And basically, his word of encouragement that he gives to us is, do not give up. Don't give up. Stay married to the unbelieving spouse. It honors God because it is Christ-like. You get to model in a special way in that circumstance what faithful love looks like, and you get to be like Jesus in a special way. I said that your faithfulness to an unbelieving spouse, it models Christ's faithfulness to an unbelieving church. And the most unequally marriage there is out there is that between Christ and the church. In the larger context of 1 Corinthians, we've been working through uh, various life circumstances. uh, Issues of marriage and singleness, uh, sexual immorality, celibacy, divorce, widowhood, all these different circumstances. And Paul, he clearly has a bias for you to remain in whatever current life circumstance you inhabit. And that's where we begin with our text this morning in verse 17 of chapter 7. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. This desire then... To remain in your current circumstance, it is a universal command, a rule of thumb for Paul, or all the churches that Paul works with. And in fact, Paul reiterates this phrase three different times, almost word for word, in just a very few verses. This command sounds so absurd to Americans that without thinking, we just kind of dismiss it out of hand because when we hear something like this, we think they're telling us to remain stuck. Stay stuck in your current lousy situation and don't complain about it even. We're never supposed to change anything. Well, we hear that and we think, that is ridiculous. No thank you. You know, this is not, what Paul's talking about is not the American way. The American way is to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and go and build something better for yourself. Go fix that circumstance. Go fix that situation. Well, let me first off say that I don't think Paul is commanding you to never change anything of your situation. He's not commanding you just to stay stuck. No matter what, never, never, ever, ever change anything. Paul's not saying, don't escape a cycle of abuse. Don't escape a cycle of addiction. Just sit in your filth. Never take a better job. Never move towards happiness and hope. That is not what Paul is saying. But before we just throw Paul's words aside, have you ever thought that you may be in your current life circumstances for a reason. That there's something bigger than just a roll of the dice going on. What Jesus teaches us is that God does not do evil. He is completely trustworthy. And yet God allows circumstances to come into our life that are not always easy. And those circumstances, they discipline us, they change us. These circumstances that are hard, they forge our character. See, we face a lot of evil in this world. A lot of the evil we face is the result of free wills. We have, I have a free will. I have a, a real choice between doing good or doing bad, Uh, and we live in a world where we're saturated with the choices of other human beings as well. And habitually, when we're facing circumstances in this world that we don't like or were uncomfortable to us, we habitually begin with the question, how do I get out of this mess? when really what Paul is suggesting is the first question we should be asking is, where is God at work? Where is God in this? See, it is possible to live as a believer in whatever situation you find yourself in. And maybe, just maybe, maybe, God had something to do. He's trying to do something in those circumstances. I'm not saying that God puts you in evil places, allowing evil things to happen to you. Well, he does allow. But we should not just assume that our circumstances, that God is not in them, that God is not able to use them, That God is not able to work redemptively to the formation of your character, to working good, uh, objective good in your life? Romans 8.28 says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Can you trust that? Can you trust that God is able to work your circumstances, as lousy as they may be, to work good. Do you trust that? It's this kind of thinking that is why James can say, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything." That is this similar kind of mindset being played out. So Paul's word to us, don't be so quick to throw away your situation. Don't be so quick to just run away from whatever circumstance is making you uncomfortable in the moment. And that's a hard word for us because as Americans, we're trained to very quickly throw away whatever circumstance we don't like. I don't like this, it's not, it's not working for me anymore. I'm not comfortable with this. This is sucking the life out of me. I don't want this anymore. And we decide this stuff on a whim. So many people's lives are ruled by the tyranny of their own feelings. And it's impulsive and reactive. And we even throw away circumstances that involve other people, cast aside relationships to the great harm of others. Relationships with children, relationships with parents, relationship with a spouse. And the idea that I should wait patiently for the Lord to move in my circumstances, to fix my situation, instead of me fix it because I know what's best, it really is. A tough pill for us to swallow. Well, maybe it's easy for you. It's tough for Calvin, anyway. So now Paul gives us two more examples of difficult situations, potentially. Uh, circumstances that, you know what, even though it's not all good, wherever you are in this, these things should not defeat you from living as a believer. No matter what side of the line you are on with these issues. And so now he enters into this discussion about circumcision and then slavery. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, or uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. So, uh, Maccabees maybe describes a situation where a man would try to undo a circumcision. Uh, in order to compete in sports and not stand out as different from other competitors. Uh, Most athletes in uh, Paul's day, they competed in these events in the nude. Monday night football would be a whole different kind of thing. But usually, I think, by and large, the pressure now as the church was emerging would go the other way. The pressure for new Greek Christians uh, to face, if they're getting serious about their faith, that they should maybe adopt this commandment of circumcision uh, to show that they are full participants in the covenants of God. Remember, this is not an isolated incident. Paul comes into conflict with this group called the Judaizers. And so circumcision becomes, in a sense, a kind of spiritual status. My voice seems to have changed. My vibrato is (laughs) reduced. That's good. Maybe I was scaring some people. But the kids are already out of the room, so... I can say scary things, right? Paul's had all this conflict with these Judaizers, these ones who say, in order to be a Christian, you need to take on the full weight of the covenant, which is including the signs of the covenant with Abraham that you would undergo the circumcision. But in the context in Corinth, this kind of stuff plays into this idea of, An elevated spiritual status for those who are so holy that they would, a Greek who is so holy that they would undergo something like this take on the law. And uh, the church is a mix at this point of Jews and Gentiles. And obviously, your Jewish brothers and sisters, they're going to have a level of knowledge and understanding that is not. The same as someone coming from a Reco-Groman kind of cultural background, pagan background. And so there's naturally going to be this tendency to ascribe a certain awe around your Jewish brothers and those who have this certain level of knowledge and understanding. That would be natural. But the problem in Corinth. Is that this had become completely toxic? It is, I think, the primary sin that was happening in Corinth. It is the establishment of a spiritual pecking order. You know what a pecking order is. Life is filled with them, it's in our education system. Who's the best? Who every kid may get a trophy now for participating but there's still a pecking order our work is filled with unspoken rules and pecking orders it even sometimes exists in the Lord's church and it's not supposed to be here and if we see something like that rearing its ugly head it needs to be dealt with and addressed. So the Corinthians are constantly trying to figure out this spiritual pecking order. Who has the most wisdom, they're asking. Who is the most eloquent? Who is, whose team am I on? Well, I'm on Apollos' team. He's way more elegant, eloquent than elegant. Maybe Paul wasn't very elegant. He's kind of like a, a pit bull in a china shop. Is that an analogy? I don't know. It's probably a bad analogy. Just scratch that. Who has the most wisdom? Who is the most eloquent? Am I on team Apollos? No, I'm on team Cephas because I'm really spiritual. No, I'm on team Paul because Paul started this church. And then they're talking they bring this discussion into spiritual gifts then. Who has these more ecstatic and showy spiritual gifts? Who who really is someone who's close to the Lord who has this gift? Who is who's is a Jew? Who has the most knowledge? Who's circumcised? Because they're so spiritual. This pecking order has even become so toxic that they are measuring the married partner wanting celibacy as being more spiritual than the partner that wants relations to continue. It's become so toxic that gross sin is happening of a kind that does not even exist among pagans, and they become proud. Look how magnanimous we are. Look how tolerant we are. And Paul says, No way. It's not the circumstance that matters. It is obedience that counts. It is the call of God through Christ that counts. Keep God's commands. That's what matters. And this is really interesting that Paul would say this because circumcision was a part of the commandments, was it not? Were not the Jews? Their little boys commanded to be keeping this, keep this sign of the covenant with Abraham. Everyone knew that this was a commandment. It is part of the law. And so, in essence, Paul is using these words. He's saying. Don't keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. Some of you are giving me the confused look. Don't keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. For the disciple of Jesus Christ, the external sign of the covenant means nothing. Your faith expressing itself in love is what counts. That is the commandment. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest of the commandments. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, soul, strength. See, what Jesus knew and what Paul knows as well is that a person can have the right sign of the covenant, whatever that sign is. The right package, the right words, the right circumstances in life that make everyone else envy your position. You can have the right outward sign and still have an uncircumcised heart, a hard heart, A heart that's not tender toward God. So, all of these toxic comparison games that the Corinthians were playing, what is the fruit of this spiritual pecking order that they have put into place? Well, we can see they build pride, but they did not allow their hearts to necessarily be changed. And these toxic comparisons, the comparison games are so toxic that we play in this world. Uh, The spiritual pecking order, the fruit of that, it was bringing division. When what really is needed is repentance. Think about that for your own life. more than the circumstance you inhabit. What is the reality of your heart? Where is your heart at in your life? Second time now, each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. When we get into a circumstance that we find hard or restricting, we tend, uh, we tend to just run as quickly as we can from uncomfortable circumstances. And so Paul's commands now, they are holding our feet to the fire in a certain way. Difficult as they may be, when you stop running to face your circumstances, when you stop running It tends to be the time when God can do his most transforming work. Don't assume that your quick fix to whatever problem you have identified is necessarily the best step forward. See, people, they suffer a lot. They suffer a lot because they just run their whole lives. And there's a lot to this a person who's suffered trauma, they run their whole lives. A person who's had something bad happen to them, they've learned how to play that victim card over and over and over again. And they use that to elicit sympathy in others. And they're stuck in these cycles. And they're never at peace in their heart. We run from marriage. We run from jobs. We run from our kids. We run from our parents. We run from the Lord's church. We just keep running. Because when we stop and become still, we're confronted with our own emptiness, our own pain, our own wretchedness, and the thought of that is unbearable. when we just run from one circumstance to the next we never experience the freedom that comes from staring down your demons and the power of Jesus Christ Jesus Christ gives you the power to stare your demons down were you a slave when you were called? don't let it trouble you. Although, if you can gain your freedom, if you can gain your freedom, do so. First off, let me say, Paul is not pro-slavery. And uh, we reread these things, and we kind of judge Paul through our 20th century lens, and uh, why couldn't he have done more to abolish something so heinous? Clearly, he's not pro-slavery. He's against the horribleness of this institution uh, as it existed. And Paul recognizes that uh, slavery, it is a horrible circumstance. And so that's why he doesn't tell you, just grin and bear it. Get out of it if you can. Move out of that circumstance if you can. But Paul's point is there were a lot of slaves in Paul's day who were unable to get out of their circumstance. We know what it's like to be stuck by circumstances sometimes. Some circumstances we just can't hide from. We just can't run from them anymore. They don't yield to our clever solutions. We can't get away, at least not immediately. And so sometimes we are forced to endure all kinds of horrible circumstances. Sometimes running away is just not an option. But Paul's word, you know, slaves probably made up a third of this church in Corinth. And Paul's word to them you don't have to be undone by your circumstance. Because even in that horrible circumstance, God continues to work in your life and in your heart. You are not beyond His reach. And beyond this, in fact, There are a lot of times that you are going to gain strength, unexpected grace, unexpected blessings. Your faith will grow deeper. And you couldn't have gotten those blessings any other way than by the challenges you faced. Your character... The kind of character that counts, the kind of character that can change the lives of people around you, it's not formed through ease and comfort. Character is forged in the fire. You know what, this is not a new idea. There are a lot of people who have recognized the way that character is formed, reflective, thoughtful people throughout history, not all of them Christians even, or they're a different kind of Christian, or loosely Christian. So this is not, this should not be such a foreign idea to us. So I found some quotes that I kind of like. The good Lord made us all out of iron, and then he turns up the heat to forge some of us into steel. The best steel doesn't always shine the brightest. That strength of character, it has not come through shiny, beautiful circumstances. I really like this one. Rocks in my path, I keep them all. With them I shall build my castle. Isn't that a great quote? I like it. We're so quick to run out of the uncomfortable deserts of our life that we never allow ourselves to wait for the Lord and his rescue, for the Lord and his answers, for the Lord and his deliverance. Some of us have never learned the frightful but amazing blessing of just be still and know that I am God. And we run from circumstance to circumstance to circumstance to circumstance and we are always defeated and we don't even understand why. And we carry this load of shame, we carry this load of anxiety, and we're restless. And we can't stop running because I've got to fix this. I've got to take care of this. It's all on my shoulders. The one who is a slave when called to faith is the Lord's. In faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who is free when called is Christ's slave. The call of God in your life changes everything no matter where your circumstance is. Something as horrible as slavery, it can't stop you from being the Lord's freed person? Can you live with that kind of reality in your heart? If you have that kind of heart, do you see how that can transform your circumstances as well? Grow your faith, forge your character. And then once again, we hear this phrase, you were bought at a price. You are bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. What that means is God's claim on you. It supersedes all other circumstances. And therefore, you should not put yourself into situations of slavery to other human beings. You know, obviously that Paul is dealing with a specific circumstance in Corinth there. But think about our jobs today. The pressure we feel to make ends meet, to have things come together. The needs of our kids, the needs of our family, the reality of rent, the reality of mortgages. Many of us are slaves to our jobs. They take the very best of us, and what is left over after that job, it doesn't leave as much for family. It doesn't leave as much for the Lord's church, if you will let it. And if you don't resist this, what is left for the Lord? It just squeezed down. But you can take the Lord with you and find Him in your circumstances. And it just gets bigger and bigger and wider and wider. And you're not a slave. You're a free person. You're a freedman. You're free, maybe even, maybe isn't even especially, if your circumstances are still not the way you would like them in an ideal world. You know, the one where you're king of the universe or queen. We have queens of the universe too. You can be the Lord's freed person. Believe it or not, I struggle with this as a minister. The, the confines of this job, the responsibility I feel toward you in this church. I, I like to do a good job. I put a lot into my preaching. I want it to challenge you. I want you to be happy about it. I want you, I want you to love me. And I want to love you. It's so easy to get out of whack, where that feedback and that love and that, where I can let the circumstance trump the reality of the calling of Christ to be here in this place and do what I'm doing. But with Jesus, I'm a freed man. And the words that I get to share are better because they come from a place of freedom and authenticity that seems rare in this world today. So you can be the Lord's freedman at Peace Health, at working for Lane County, working for Warehouser, wherever you are. You can be the Lord's freed person. brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God. You're accountable for all this. Responsible to God. Should remain in the situation they were in when when God called them. Do you see, this is the third time we've read this in just a couple verses. The situation you are in is subservient to the call of God number 2 no circumstance no matter how good or how bad puts you outside god's reach so one last story and we'll be done i like some obscure things in the church sometimes and i you know i have enjoyed studying ignatian spirituality and i've enjoyed studying uh, ancient desert spirituality. These guys are weirdos. Weirdos for the Lord. A brother was restless in the community. and often, This is an ancient Egyptian desert monk story. A brother was restless in the community and often moved to anger. So he said, I will go and live somewhere by myself. And since I shall not be able to talk or listen to no one, I shall be tranquil. And my passionate anger will cease. He went and lived alone in a cave. He's got an anger problem. He calls it a demon. And he knows the solution. It's all those other people. Those other monks Do you hear how loud that guy is when he's eating his food? It's like fingernails on a chalkboard. I can't stand this. But one day, when he's all alone in his cave, away from everyone else, he filled his jug with water and put it on the ground. It happened suddenly to fall over. He filled it again, and it again it fell. And this happened a third time. And in a rage, he snatched up the jug and broke it. Returning to his right mind, he knew that the demon of anger had mocked him. And he said, I will return to the community. Wherever you live, You need effort and patience and above all, God's help. It's a great story. I have to be reminded of stuff like this because I'm so quick to identify the problem. And we all know the problem is with you guys, other people. And we don't let the Lord do the hard work in our own heart and circumstance and lives. That's the challenge that we face. That's the challenge we're up against in all of this. So BP, you can come up. That's our sermon today. Let Paul's words hold your feet to the fire a little bit. Paul says, just don't throw away your current circumstances for another. And when we begin to take those words seriously, it, re- it forces us to rethink, rethink the reality of our circumstances and hold them differently. Maybe those circumstances don't change, but if the heart changes and you become a freedman, it can be a beautiful thing. You're never beyond God's reach. You're never beyond God's grace and love. See, Paul is unwilling to let you stand in a place where your personal circumstances are the most important thing going on in the world. The most important thing going on in the world is that God has called you and that you are bought with a price. Is there a price greater paid than the blood of God's own Son? That reality takes priority over and swallows up all of the circumstances you inhabit. Your life situation then falls under the umbrella of the reality of the kingdom of God. Acknowledge the Lord's place of preeminence above your circumstances. Honor God by holding faith in Jesus Christ is more important than your particular life circumstance. Because Paul knows when a person begins to do this, the Lord does amazing things. If you have needs for the prayers of this church, if you want to put the Lord on in baptism, that is something that we love to do here, uh, making this covenant uh, to the Lord and to each other as we try to be God's people here in this place. We don't always get it right. And the circumstances aren't perfect here either. But by grace, we're stumbling into this life in the kingdom of God. Or even with horrible circumstances, sometimes we have become the Lord's freed people. So let's stand and sing together.